It is the 200 level episode 146, all out of love. Sorry to borrow the pun from Air Supply, but it happened. It is Sunday, a cloudy, chilly Sunday afternoon, and not all that different, if I recall, from a Saturday in March back in 2016 when Bill Cubitt was fired around mid-morning, and then we found out later that day that Lovey Smith was hired. Before we get into what happened today, I want to kind of go back to that date because there is a full circle kind of nature to it. I went for a run back on that Saturday in March 2016, and it was during this run right around the Illini Union. My phone starts vibrating, and I see it's Jeremy. And he said, do you see the news? And I said, what happened? He said, Bill Cubitt. I said, holy crap, Bill Cuba got fired. So that news came out. I immediately call Lon and say, you know, we got to probably do a show this afternoon. We got a press conference that we have to cover. And that's what we did for about two hours on that Saturday afternoon from, I think, 3 to 5 p.m. And towards the tail end of that show, impromptu, we thought we were just covering the firing. The word started leaking out about Lovey Smith. And Ryan Baker joined us on the show, and he all but confirmed it for us. And hope sprang eternal, understandably so, that we were about to hire a former NFL coach with in-state ties, or at least recognizability within the state. And then that Monday morning, waking up, I'd been at a Springsteen concert the night before, a little bleary-eyed that Monday morning, and there's the news, there's the picture on Twitter with the Levy Smith and the colonnades holding the We Will Win sign. And it felt like, holy crap, we actually did it. Illinois football has risen above the smoldering ruins of the Beckman era, just like that. And that is thanks to Josh Whitman. He took his shot. He swung for the fences, and he got his guy. Someone that I don't think any Illini fan would have ever had on their radar. And even as a Bears fan that had lived through the seven, eight seasons of Lovey Smith and knew that the end was appropriate when it happened in 2012, I was still excited because I thought, you know, this guy has cachet. He could recruit the heck out of the state and Florida and Texas. The sleeping giant notion that we often associate with Illinois football, rightly or wrongly, it seemed like maybe this was the guy to do it. He hires Hardy Nickerson as your defensive coordinator. Garrick McGee as your offensive coordinator. Seemed like we had a superstar staff. And then the football started. And it never really got all that much better. Yeah, yeah, it, it got better compared to what you were doing in the early Levy Smith years. But even in 2019, his best season at six and seven, those good moments, those were fleeting. And you were left with far too many quarters and halves of football where you looked just downright bad. This year was a regression. And you have one more game left. Rod Smith will be coaching you in State College for, hey, whatever, 4.30 kick on Saturday. I guess he can watch it and not have to worry about whether or not it will save Lovey's job. He's gone. And that is a move that it makes sense that it was made today. But for some reason, I I had this pit in my stomach feeling that it wasn't going to. And that until the announcement was made, I think I was feeling worst case scenario could come to fruition where Josh Whitman might try to sell this as, listen, it was COVID-19, there were injuries, all that kind of stuff. And that as a fan base, we would be stuck in this football purgatory. But instead, and credit to Whitman for this, he made the move. So it is weird to sit here on a Sunday afternoon, and I was out running when this news broke. Actually, just had gotten back to the house when this news broke. And that full circle nature of, <laughs> it could not have been four and a half years ago. That feels like yesterday. 
And then it also feels like 10 years ago. If you're watching the games as they happen, it feels like Lovey's been here forever. But in terms of actual time elapsed, that's not that long of a period. And it is still very fresh. And we sit here and try to think, okay, well, what was that exactly? I don't have a great answer apart from bad. And then there's the hope, right? The hope that maybe the next one will be the guy. And I understand why that is tempered by the fact that we've thought for a few hires that maybe we had the next guy, that maybe Ron Turner, maybe Ron Zook. I don't think anyone thought that about Tim Beckman. Maybe Lovey. Maybe this will work. And we're due, right? We're due, as Harry Black would actually never say. He hates that term. But maybe Josh Whitman gets this right. And I think that it is okay that Josh Whitman gets another crack at this. Because Alani fans recognize that you did swing for the fences. It was a shot worth taking. It did not work. And while you could argue it went on a year or two too long, I also understand why it did. And I don't begrudge Whitman even for the extension, which really was more trying to solidify the arguments that you could have going into recruits home. Oh, look at Lovey's going to be here for another few years, even though the money didn't change in terms of the buyout. But even though I didn't feel great about it, I understood it. And it made sense, right? Taking this another year would not have made sense. Whitman was decisive. And I can't really say a super strongly worded statement, but there were a few omissions in Josh Whitman's statement, which tells me this was not a retirement. This was no joint decision. Lovey Smith got fired. And for Josh Whitman to do that with his pet project, Illinois football, something he feels so passionately about, to essentially acknowledge that hire did not work out, despite the fact that he's probably the person that wanted it to the most. That is a relief. It is a relief to know the athletic director was able to put pride aside and say, this is the move that needs to be made. And for that, we should have a little bit of optimism going into this coaching search, however long that takes. Real quick, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe. Online at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzone, $6 premium, and construction zones at dpdoe.com. You can build your own zone with any toppings that you want. You can get one of their favorites like the Buffer Zone, the Maui Wowie, all at a low cost. Coupon code Mike for $5 calzones, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana dpdo.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian has you covered. Great staff, super supportive, and they make the process so easy. So you get the State Farm prizes and incredible service to boot. That's Brian Hansen, State Farm agent online at brianismyguy.com. And finally, 4th and Kirby online at 4th and Kirby.com. Use coupon code 200 level and order now just to make sure you get it in time for Christmas season for the Illini fan in your life. Vintage-inspired Illini apparel, T-shirts, crew neck sweatshirts. Listen, my lucky shirt, it didn't quite work out last night. I'll have to pick another one in the 4th and Kirby rotation. I got options. Just goes to show superstition doesn't really exist. But the good thing is that even when Illinois was losing last night, I looked good in the T-shirt that I had because it's high-quality T-shirts, they fit great, and they have these old-school designs that any Illini fan will love. That's 4thandKirby.com, coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off at 4thandKirby.com. Illini Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200LEVEL. We have been busy. We've been busy the last five days. We did a Thursday pod, well, really the last week. Tuesday, we did the Duke pod, and that was fun. And then Thursday, I was still basking in the glow, and then the last 15 minutes of that were devoted to we got to get rid of Lovey Smith. Saturday, decided in the afternoon that that was such a bad performance against Northwestern that it bore repeating, we got to get rid of Lovey Smith. 
that podcast, fortunately, is no longer timely. It does not work because that was all about, Josh, you got to do it. You got to do it. Well, Josh did it. So if you listen to End of the Road, that thing is outdated. It is now a time capsule from less than 24 hours ago. And then you had Saturday night, and I wish it could have gone better. And there's still people that are listening to last night's pod. You are brave to subject yourselves to the second half of that Illinois-Missouri game. That was excruciating. You know, time heals all. I'm excited this afternoon to just kind of settle in, watch a movie, and tune out of sports for a while, even though this Lovey Smith news precludes me from doing that, at least for a little bit. I don't know how long this pod will go, but we had to talk about it, right? Because this is monumental. And even in my 34 years of failed head coaches at Illinois, it is still a big deal when someone gets fired. I go back to Ron Turner, who was here for, how many years is that? Seven seasons, right? And I think the same for Ron Zook. Seven for each of those guys, maybe six for Zook. You get Lubby for five. So he didn't last as long as those two guys. And I think the biggest reason why this didn't go longer than it should have is that the, the moment of triumph, the Wisconsin win last year, the comeback against Michigan State, the way last season ended, I think really recalibrated all of our expectations. Because even for the cynic and the skeptic, in me, after that Michigan State comeback, and really even after the Iowa performance, I thought they might have found something here. They are playing with a consistency. Yeah, the turnovers were a part of it, but even when the turnovers weren't happening, the defense was starting to get three and outs. The offense, while not putting up a ton of points, they looked serviceable. And I thought, okay, maybe this works. Even me. And you can go back and listen. I don't know where you can find him, actually. But if you were to go back and listen to any Tay and Jay, Tay and Carp in the early part of the Levy era, it looks so bad that you were thinking, well, I don't know if this is ever going to work. And that ultimately is what came to pass. This season, all the external factors, you bring those into the equation and you acknowledge that it was not an ideal situation for this Illinois team, just like it was for any other college football team. You only had one game canceled, and it wasn't because of anything you did. You did lose Brandon Peters for a couple games, but you know what? I don't know how much that hurts you because he was only good in one game this season at Nebraska. The rest of it's been really bad from Brandon Peters. And yeah, you've lost some defensive guys against Northwestern, but you had them intact for the Purdue and Minnesota games, and you still didn't look all that great then. So at the end of the day, we could look at all the micro this season and go back to any of the five previous or the four previous seasons before this. But the macro, which has always kind of been my thing, it's staring us in the face. I had actually incorrectly told you what the Big Ten West record was for Lovey yesterday during that podcast. Good thing is you don't need to go back to that because that podcast is irrelevant now. But one win against Purdue, I said two. One win against Minnesota, I had said two. One win against Nebraska, so I got that one right. One win against Wisconsin. That was the highlight of the Lovey Smith era. Did not beat Iowa, did not beat Northwestern. And not only that, but they beat you on average. Jeremy had all the numbers this morning on his podcast, but on an average of 20 plus points a game. And you were scoring 10 to their 30. So it was true blowout fashion in most of those games, even in years four and five. And you can't have that. The Big Ten East really kind of inflated that record with two wins against Michigan State and four, I think, against Rutgers. At Rutgers twice, at least three. I'd have to double check that. But regardless, that is essentially it. You didn't beat any other Big Ten East teams. I know you don't play them all that much, but when you did, it normally didn't go all that well. And the record is just paltry. 
even when you throw out year one, if you wanted to still do that exercise of, well, year one didn't really count because he got here in March. And that is totally logical to do so. Harry Black would advise you against that, and I, I tend to agree. But think of how bad it got so quick. And at the pinnacle, if you think about it, the one moment where it really felt like this thing could work was when Keyshawn Vaughn ran that touchdown back in 2016. You took an early lead against North Carolina, primetime game. It felt like we were actually primed for an upset. And I don't think that was outside the realm of possibility when you consider, well, first off, Mitch Trubisky was the quarterback on the other side. He was fine, I guess, that game. But I digress. For that Illinois team, you were coming off of a 5-7 and seven season and thinking, okay, you got rid of Cubit because you knew long-term that thing wasn't going to work. You have some guys, right? You have some guys on this team. Well, then very early on, you started to see some attrition. Trey Watson being the big one to Maryland, who had a monster junior and senior year over there as a linebacker, or at least one monster season. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. You had guys leave. You had some of the stud recruits like a Bennett Williams get kicked off the team for disciplinary reasons. And that was from your one and only really good high school recruiting class, his first. And everything after that was leaving you wanting. So any momentum and sense that, oh my gosh, we could become a big-time football program, that was evaporating in the second half of that North Carolina game. And you never recaptured it. You didn't recapture it on the recruiting trail. You didn't recapture it in terms of wins and losses, for sure. And the other factor that I knew was going to be an issue with Lovey Smith coming into this thing would be that he's not the warm and cuddly kind of guy that's going to go out there, handshake, and all that kind of thing. And for me, I was fine with that. I didn't need that as long as he was winning games. I didn't need the most college football-y coach out there. Certainly not to the level of a P.J. Fleck, who is insane. We don't need that. But on the other side of the spectrum is Lovey, and he can be a cold kind of person outwardly. I'm sure that there's a lot of affection and compassion that he has. There are so many people to vouch for that. But from the outside, the perception that he gives when he's talking to the media or the perception that he gives... Uh, when he does public events, there's not this sense that he is interested in being a salesperson. And for me, part of the reason I could never get into college head coaching is that that's half the job, if not more so. You're either selling it to the public and the donors, you're either selling it to a recruit to come play for you. You're always trying to angle in with something if you want to get ahead. And that was never of interest to him. And I think there was an arrogance which I know that's a big word, but I really genuinely think there was, and why not? You were an NFL coach. You made a Super Bowl. Your accolades are long, right? That is a long list of Levy, what he's done in his career, and he should be proud of that. He's accomplished a ton. So that when you come into Illinois, even though the football program's history would suggest you need to work that much harder than the next guy, that was not going to be in the cards for Levy. It was either going to sort of come to fruition for him by just being Lovey Smith and having a nice staff, or it wasn't. And you saw that whatever the plan was initially, we're going to play all the young guys, we're going to kind of put the veterans off to the side, even though the veterans may have been the better options, and you're going to sacrifice wins early so you can build a program the right way, as we were told. Well, that failed. And then you got rid of your two coordinators within, what, two seasons for Garrick McGee, and then midway through your third, you got rid of Hardy Nickerson. All right, so that was a failed experiment. The high school recruiting never picked up. Lovey just says, I'm the defensive coordinator, instead of going out there and getting somebody else that could also help with recruiting. And then you turn to this sort of patchwork transfer market thing, and it got you a few guys, helped lead you to a red box bull, but nothing in the way of sustainability. So I want to be very clear about this. 
you have probably sensed, rightly so, some vitriol and actual anger at the way that Lovey was handling this thing from me. That is true. And that can be mistaken for a personal thing. Like, I actively dislike Lovey the person. I dislike Lovey the leader of a program or the head coach. Yes, I do. Because I feel like there was a lack of effort relative to other head coaches in similar positions. And that he was getting handsomely rewarded to figure this thing out and to work his ass off and make it work somehow, some way, in any way, shape, or form. You didn't get any of that. You don't feel like the effort he put in was reciprocal to the amount that he was getting. That was a handsome compensation for not a lot in the way of results. So yes, that is genuine vitriol on, from my perspective as an Illini fan that's just kind of sick of it. And it's partly lovey and it's partly the fact that my entire life, this football program has been mostly irrelevant to just downright bad. And I want to be careful as people are trying to be classy on Twitter. You know I love that word classy. So overused. Again, it's not about the person. And people are right to say, hey, Lovey seems like a nice enough guy. Like all these people vouch for it. Okay, I'm, I'm on board with that. But we don't need to bend over backwards to try to rewrite the history books here before he's even out of champagne. We can call this thing what it is, a failed era of Illinois football. People would point to the facility. Did Lovey help you get that? I'm sure he helped you raise some of that money just by virtue of being Lovey Smith. But Josh is the one out there actively selling things like that, facility upgrades. And Lovey Smith isn't on the Illinois women's soccer program. So the new soccer center that they're building, that Lovey Smith had nothing to do with that. Same with the oven. In other words, Josh Whitman's primary job is to fundraise at the end of the day, right? That's the primary job. And he's proven that he can do that for other sports. So why would we think that he wasn't the primary driver behind that football performance center, not Lovey Smith? And I keep seeing the word stability or that he built a foundation. What foundation exactly? This roster is going to be a mess. There are nice pieces here and there, but nothing in the way that you feel like, okay, next guy's going to come in. He's going to have a boatload to work with and we might actually be able to win a bunch of games next year, or at least, you know, five or six. That seems unlikely because as these games go on, yeah, the coaching isn't helping this, the situation, but we're finding out that there's not a lot of depth and that you don't have reinforcements coming. So this idea that he left you with a solid foundation, I, I don't see that. That's a narrative that keeps getting floated out there. Well, you know, at least what he did for you, he did things the right way. What, he didn't cheat? Okay, that's fine. Did Tim Beckman cheat? And he was still better on the field, measurably so, than Lovey Smith and better on the recruiting trail. I, mean, I, I tweeted that out yesterday and people flipped out, or some did at least, that I would even say that I would take the Tim Beckman era over the Lovey Smith era. For one, it was shorter, right? Three years and out. Whew, that was quick at least. And of course, there was the scandal with Simon Sianovich. I'm not talking about the person. I'm talking about the coach. And that's why I understand people immediately pivoting to, Lovey's a good person. He helped establish a culture. Really? What culture? Delano work with the team on Friday. We've had attrition. Just as many transfers as we brought in, we've had guys leave. I don't know what culture people are talking about. Now, at this point, it may be a situation of Carp, let it go. Like, he's gone. Why would you bring that up? I just think that we need to be careful sometimes in how we reappraise the situation. And we're in the thick of it. Like, right now, if there's a moment to be still genuinely fresh and raw about how bad these five years were, 
you could still feel that. You don't wish the man ill. You wish him good health and a long retirement. But it's not like we need to bend over backwards and say, guys, look, we're in such a better place than we were five years ago. Apart from a nice, shiny football performance center, that roster is not better, I don't think, than the roster the Cubit left you. I don't think it is. You got a few nice pieces again. But just because Loving went 3-9 and nine in 2016 does not mean that that team should have went 3-9. and nine. <laughs> I mean, there was a decent amount that was left over from the beckman Cubit era. More than, I think, what you're going to have going into 2021. Now, the good news is that you might hire a coach that can maximize that next year, and your 2021 season, first year of a new coach, will be better than Lovey's first year. And Lovey will get credit for that. I'm just arguing. I'm just arguing that the sentiment out there that the foundation is built and that a new coach is going to come in and just, no, that only works if Lovey had actually sustained success for two, three years in a row. Made a couple bowl games, made two, three in a row and said, you know what? I'm riding off in the sunset. I'm retiring, which is not what happened. But instead, you are one of the worst Big Ten football programs. That's not a foundation. That's not stability. So when all this is being written and we look back in the media guides, I remember looking through those things. I had this kind of habit back when I was in middle school and high school would get the media guides from over at the BFL administration building. They would just have them out on a table with all the posters and stuff. And I would scour through the record books and look at maybe the Bob Blackman era and think, oh, wow, like they were kind of close to 500. I'd, I'd take that. And you talk to people back then, and they say, yeah, well, you know, relative to other coaches, I guess he was okay. Certainly better than Gary Moeller. Then you would hear about the Mike White era, even though I think there were, what, three winning seasons in his six or seven while he was here. Though he built some excitement, John Makovic was the one that always stood out to me as this beacon of, well, you could be that, right? You get a really good head coach in here, and I know he wasn't the most personable guy, but you could do that, right? Lou Tepper, Ron Turner, et cetera. But as we look back on this, the wins and losses will tell the tale. So we don't need to try to sugarcoat what it was. We should want to forget about this. We should want to move on from this. Because in most every way, it was a failure. What I did like about Lovey, it is true that personally, he was not a clown show like Tim Beckman. That is true. I welcomed that. I knew that Lovey wasn't going to embarrass us in press conferences. Other people have said, rightly so, that he was a good representative for the university as an alum. Yes, Lovey is someone of integrity. I was happy to have him leading the program as opposed to a clown show like Beckman, right? But foundation, stability, other buzzwords like that, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. I don't think that's accurate. Let's get to Josh Whitman's statement here from today. Quote, Lovey Smith led the Illinois football program with unquestioned integrity during his nearly five years of service. I have tremendous respect for Coach Smith and will always be grateful to him for providing a steady, experienced hand at a time when our program required stability. His unshakable leadership, never more needed than during this pandemic, will be forever remembered. Nonetheless, based on an extensive evaluation of the program's current state and future outlook, I've concluded that the program is not progressing at the rate we should expect at this advanced stage in Coach Smith's tenure. To achieve our competitive objectives, I believe new leadership of the football program is required. I'll always look fondly on the time Levy and I have spent together. I wish him and Marianne nothing but the best. A couple things here from Josh Whitman's statement. He mentions unquestioned integrity during his nearly five years of service. Absolutely, that will be part of his legacy here. 
He mentioned steady, experienced hand at a time when our program required stability. I would say that off the field, certainly Lovey's strength may have been as a leader of men, not to use a meatball-y term, but I think that that may be apt. It may be apt with that. He says his unshakable leadership, never more needed than during this pandemic, will be forever remembered. By the guys within the program, certainly. I don't know if that's necessarily the case for the fan base. This is some wording here. It says, based on extensive evaluation of the program's current state and future outlook. Current state to me reads like just the win-loss record. It's not good enough. And then future outlook, that's the recruiting. The recruiting has been abysmal. And I think Whitman recognized that if you prolong this thing, you run the risk of having a really, really bad roster in 2022 and beyond. So he finishes off saying, to achieve our competitive objectives, I believe new leadership of the football program is required. So strongly worded enough and also taking accountability and essentially saying, yeah, this was a firing. And that was all but confirmed here in the Fighting Illini football tweet that made it official. This was around 1145 this morning. Illinois Director of Athletics Josh Whitman announced today that Lovey Smith has been relieved of his duties as head football coach after five seasons at the helm of the Fighting Illini. Smith will not coach the Illini during its final game of the season. Following yesterday's 28-10 loss to Northwestern, in five seasons, Smith compiled a 17-39 overall record and a 10-33 record in the Big Ten, including a 2-5 mark in 2020. Beginning immediately, the Division of Intercollegiate Athletics will launch a national search to identify Coach Smith's successor. Right at the very top, it says it right here, plain as day. Lovey Smith has been relieved of his duties. I had hypothesized that we'd get into a situation where Josh would give Lovey an out, that they would have a conversation and say, okay, what do we need to do? We, we need to part ways. This thing's not working. I want to give you every opportunity you can, whether it's through reti- retirement or we can draft a joint statement, any messaging you want. That doesn't appear to be the case unless they had a conversation and Lovey said, well, hey, I'm not quitting so you got to fire me. These are the kinds of things you'd love to be a fly on the wall for. Just like back in the day when Ron Gunther, the rumors that go on that when Bill Self came in and said, I got an offer from Kansas that Ron Gunther just threw a fit. Sadly, I would not be surprised if that's the case. But wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall for those moments of Illini history? That was far more impactful. <laughs> you know, Losing a Hall of Fame basketball coach compared to losing Lovey Smith. But it would have been interesting to hear that conversation. Was it simply Whitman picking up the phone or calling an in-person meeting? I, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case and saying, Lovey, I got to let you go. Or was it a conversation and Lovey said, I'm not having it. You know, he has his son as a linebackers coach. He, despite not having fun from what I could tell, <laughs> I, I, I'm projecting a bit, but I cannot imagine that Lovey was having fun as this season kind of went down the pisser. I'm thinking, you know, there's still pride involved. You don't want to acknowledge failure until the very last minute. And with another game on the schedule and feeling like, well, we got a few veteran guys and a few nice pieces. I mean, maybe I can get a third win and we can go into next year. I'll get some transfers. I think it's easy for people. It's human nature, I should say, to try to rationalize that. No, I I can do this. It's like either one of two things, right? The most competitive people in the world think that they can get it done, right? Even when they aren't getting it done. And then there's some people that shy away from that and they first sign a failure say, I give up. Well, Lovey is certainly the former. He's a competitor. 
He's been coaching for the majority of his life. So why would he think that he couldn't turn this around? I understand that. I do. And got to think that if a conversation occurred between the two of them, and we'll never know, there will be little rumors here and there. Well, this is how it went down. But if a conversation occurred between the two of them, I could also see where he's like, Josh, I'm not quitting. I don't want to. And then Josh is like, well, okay, all right. I got to let you go. Not something Josh wanted to do. Not when that hire was made and all the excitement that came with it. Again, I remember how vivid it was. I was beaming. First off, Springsteen the night before in St. Louis, so I was already on cloud nine. And then Kara and I are driving back, and we did the whole media thing with Lovey coming in the studio that day, and he walked in the studio. I mean, I was starstruck. Bears fan, had watched him for all those years, despite knowing that that was the time for him to go in 2012, but it's Lovey Smith. You know, he has some clout, and he has a presence comes in the studio and I'm taking video of the whole interview as Lon and Jeremy are doing it. Shook his hand and all that. And it's like, wow, that's pretty damn cool. And I remember getting back to my house that night. I'm pretty sure Karen and I had dinner and still beaming about the whole experience. NFL head coach is now your head coach. That's cool, right? Totally worth the shot. Totally worth the shot. Because this move was made, it does change a few things in hindsight. I was getting, and I was acknowledging this, I was getting pre-mad at the notion that, well, what if Josh Whitman really doesn't want to make this move and he's going to find any way to not make it? Well, he did, right? So that means we can go back to some of those tweets that I still think, you know, Josh Whitman has this tendency sometimes, as an athletic director probably should, to want to be optimistic and project that, hey, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. We recall about a month ago when there was that tweet with a picture of the State Farm Center. And this was on the tail of the Minnesota 41-14 loss, I'm pretty sure, saying, you know, sometimes you just look out on a beautiful sunset and you, you gain a new perspective. I, I forget, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially it was a, we're going to be all right kind of tweet. No one wanted to hear that crap, which had this creeping feeling in my gut that, okay, maybe he's going to find any way to keep this thing going. That's not the case. So we can look back on that kind of tweet and, <laughs> you know, laugh, chuckle, whatever, and move on and not have to worry about that maybe being a larger um, issue where he's just going to shy away from making moves that he ultimately should. He made the move. Credit to him. The buyout is about $2 million. I think the buyout for the rest of the staff is another $2 million. I don't know how he secured that money. I'm guessing donors. That means that he had to be doing this well before yesterday's game. He was quiet for the last month or so. So was he getting all this stuff through back channels? But this leads to the most exciting part. You know, this podcast is about Lovey being fired. But for all we know, we'll have a coach in a day or two. Think about this. I was texting with Trevor earlier today and how John Gross was fired on a Monday, I'm pretty sure. Lost at Rutgers on a Sunday, fired on the Monday. You had Brad Underwood on Saturday. I don't think the press conference was until the following week, but that Saturday was when it all came out that afternoon. Brett Underwood had just lost that tournament game with Oklahoma State, and Whitman, I think, was over in Indy and just got it done. Got it done. Six days. Now go to football. The first thing that he did, right? Was that would have been? Yeah. So that was 2017 he hired Underwood. So the first thing he did with Lovey Smith, you fire Cubit on a Saturday. Of course, he already had Lovey lined up. And then you announced the hire on Monday. So that is a combined eight days of a coaching search 
for your two big revenue sports. And those were his first hires. I have to think that that is his MO. A target has already been identified. We closed in on him. We have a verbal agreement, you know, handshake agreement, whatever it may be, that he's going to be the next coach. Lined up, ready to go. That could be what the case is right now. And I, I would love that because that would tell me that, okay, I love decisive leaders. Now, of course, if the decision doesn't work out like Lovey, then that's a problem. But it does tell me that this has been a process long in the making, right? That this is not some sort of knee-jerk reaction to, well, you got your butt kicked by Iowa or Northwestern. I'm pretty sure, and I would hope that he's a student enough observer of football, and why wouldn't he be? Because he used to play it. I assume that he entered those last two games like we all did, thinking, okay, well, if they really show me something, we'll keep going. After that Nebraska game, okay, well, maybe they can parlay that into a few wins at the end of the season here. But after that Iowa game, that had to solidify it because we all knew that the Northwestern game was not going to go well. I didn't anticipate it would go that badly. I thought it was actually going to be kind of a sleepy loss where I'm fretting, oh my God, it was a loss, but was it bad enough to ultimately convince Whitman to make the move? But I think that decision was made certainly when that Iowa game is over. It would have to have been, right? So this move is made and you got to think that we don't need to wait long for this. The names are already being thrown out there. Understandably so. I think one that a lot of people continue to come back to, and this is a Mac coach, so don't don't get too angry about this. Don't get pre-mad like I so often do. Lance Lee pulled over at Buffalo. 36 and 32 record, which may not jump off the page at you, but has really built Buffalo into a very good Mac school. And he is someone that had won, I think, national titles at the Division Three level at Wisconsin Whitewater, so he does have Midwest ties. And he is someone that you feel like would raise the basement. If you look at a Tom Allen, that's not a hire that excited a whole lot of people. What was he, the D coordinator for Kevin Wilson? I think something like that. And then it just happened to work out because he's just a good football coach, right? That's really it. Someone that's a college football lifer, which is what Lance Leopold is, and has recruited in the state, not at the level of Big Ten athletes for sure. But I understand that because Lance Leopold, it wouldn't excite me, but maybe this would be the hire where you just get the guy that is the best X's and O's coach out there and could surround himself with a smart staff and then they just get it done. Trevor had a very interesting name with David Shaw out of Stanford, who has had a remarkable run out there and fizzling a bit, fizzling a bit. But I'm thinking, okay, well, David Shaw, you look at someone that has to coach at Stanford. Talk about academic restrictions. Like you got to probably have a super high ACT to even get in that school. So he already knows how to work with that and has turned that into a really good program. And as good as Stanford was in the heyday with David Shaw, they won four games last year. They're two and two this year. We're finding out that the Pac-12 is an afterthought in football. The Big Ten is a bigger deal. So if the money is right, I could see that being the case. As Trevor had kind of alluded to in the text, and I agree with this, the personality of David Shaw is very similar to Lovey, very soft-spoken guy. And do you need someone to inject excitement into this program? But that's a proven college football winner. So I don't know if the jump from the West Coast to Midwest makes a whole lot of sense. I don't know how many ties he has to Illinois, if any. But someone like that is a proven winner. And we look at Brad Underwood, in essence, a proven winner. I know only one year at a Power 5 school, but he had enough success before that at the college basketball level to make you think, well, this guy's a good head coach. And yeah, it took three years to get it going. but. I think we're seeing the results despite last night, which we don't need to go. We don't need to go in the bragging rights game. I'll, I'll save that because Tuesday night, we get to get right back out there. 
So that is one interesting name, though I don't know how viable that is. Nathan Shieldhouse is a name that I do want to broach that very quickly. Nathan was a guest of ours on College Game Day Live for two years. I think it was 2013 and 14. And he was a joy to have on the show. Amazing interview. Called it like he saw it. And this was someone that had just ended his career. So it would have been 2014 because he was a senior in 2013. He played two years with Beckman. But he would come on the show and just call it as he saw it. Appreciated that for someone that had just been on the team the year before. And a super sharp guy. He's an Illini guy. He has very quickly worked his way up the ranks. And I think is, he's not the OC at Iowa State, but what is it? The running backs or the wide receivers coach and is very well thought of in coaching circles as a rising star. Inevitably, he will become a coordinator soon. Inevitably. And then inevitably, down the road, he's going to be a head coach. It's going to happen, right? He's that kind of guy, and you can identify that early. Can you take a chance on someone that young? I think he's, he is younger than me. I think he's 30. So do you take a chance on someone that young, that green, even though he's been in the Matt Campbell system? Because, guys, you weren't getting Matt Campbell. I mean, he's going to Michigan. If he's leaving, he's going to Michigan, and I think he should. That would make a lot of sense. But, okay, yeah, Nathan Shieldhouse. If you give him a huge assistant pool, I get the feeling that Nathan, I really believe this, having met him, I believe that he would be able to go out and be a hell of a recruiter. I think his energy would be unmatched. He doesn't have that phony PJ Flex shtick. He's a genuine dude, and he actually cares about Illinois football. So that is a total wild card idea, and I understand why people will be weary of hiring someone that has no head coaching or even coordinating experience. But uh, that likely not to happen. There would be excitement in that he's an Illini guy, but there would be a lot of weariness from the fan base. I don't know if you can sell the fan base on someone who's never been a head coach, though I would be okay with the risk. I don't know if that's ridiculous or not. I just know that he's going to be a head coach sooner rather than later. He is. So maybe you get him buy stock early and surround him with veteran coaches that can help guide him through certain parts of it. But man, he'd be a great, great recruiter. I would imagine a great recruiter for Illinois and ultimately someone that the players would look up to and could identify with. So there's, there's your Sean McVay option, right? There's your young, sexy, young coaching candidate that you go out, you get an easier guy. I'm just saying it, it, it's not ridiculous. There are, if you made a list, pros and cons of Nathan Shieldhouse, the cons are, we're well aware of that, but there's a, there's a lot on that good side of it too. And then finally, let's see, who, who's another name kind of being bandied about? Oh, one of my favorites, Jeff Munkin, Army, triple option attack. Now, you, I've said this, and it may totally fall flat in the Big Ten, the triple option thing, which he's turned into a great offensive system over at Army. It works there because he recruits the guys for it, and Army's probably never going to be a run-and-gun, you know, spread-em-out offense. But the triple option works there. If you could modify that somehow, let it be a part of your offense but not be the entire thing. But you look at Georgia Tech under Paul Johnson, they won eight, nine games for a pretty good stretch there. And yeah, they never were going to win a national title. Guys, I don't think Illinois is ever going to win a national title. That's okay. I'd love to get our own Nick Saban, but that that's not likely. So just give me the guy that I know can consistently win, raise the floor, and then make bowl games more often than not. And maybe Jeff Munkin could be that. He's got the Illinois ties. I think he was born and raised in Illinois and recruits out of the Midwest somewhat. And he just wins. So there are options, right? And these are just a few. Jeff Munkin, 
Lance Leopold from Buffalo. Sean Lewis is the guy from, what is it, Kent State, young guy. And I understand why people are kind of smitten with him because he's got a lot of personality. But I'm almost going to go one of two ways here. I'm going to go with the proven commodity as a head coach. Doesn't need the sexiest record, but someone that at the college level has won consistently for a decent amount of time. You have those options. I know that they may not be power five options, but you have them. And I'm going to go that route and then have one thing in my back pocket, the out of left field, total <laughs> boomer bust, Nathan Shieldhouse option. I may catch flack for even mentioning that as an idea. I'm just saying it's worth thinking about. Or even if he becomes an offensive coordinator and that is, listen, you got to hire a new head coach and let him make the personnel decisions. You cannot force anything onto a head coach. But I would love for Nathan as he ascends in the college coaching ranks, and he will do so quickly to find his way back here. I'm telling you, he's going to be a head coach someday. So we got options at least. And here's the best part of it all. Unlike 2012, when there was the Beckman search, we won't be waiting for weeks. I remember distinctly being at Illinois basketball games. And this is okay, 2012. So that was a pretty good non-conference for that Illinois team. Fortunately, basketball started off well. Kind of made you forget that the end of the Ron Zook era. No, 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 I'm sorry. 2011, that's when Ron Zook was fired and Tim Beckman was hired. That's right. And actually, Illinois basketball, Bruce Weber's last year, had a very good non-conference for about a month. Even beat, I think, Gonzaga at home? Something like that. Regardless, that search for about two, three weeks, I remember talking with a friend in an Illinois basketball game back when texting was still T9 word or like crappy flip phone style and trying to get any rumor or any, any sort of smoke that we could and about Kevin Sumlin. And then it was, well, maybe Larry Fedora. And then it was Tim Beckman. And this thing dragged on and on. And just like the Tim Beckman hire, the John Gross thing dragged on and on. And I remember that the day before he was announced, there was something about a hiccup in the contract like it hasn't been signed yet. And I got to the point where I was like, oh my God, please just sign him because we are screwed if we don't get John Gross. Which, think about that. We were once in a position where we would be screwed if we didn't get John Gross. No offense to him. But that tells you there is a different MO for Josh Whitman than Mike Thomas. And that decisiveness and knowing your guy and going after him and just securing that hire with minimal fuss, that is likely what you will see. So this is probably going to be another busy week for the 200 level and for all the other Illini podcasts out there and appreciate you letting us be a party rotation. And this is going to be another busy week where we are going to have a big 10 basketball game on Tuesday. We're going to have a coaching hire probably this week as well. Before Illinois plays at Penn state on Saturday, four 30 Rod Smith is your interim coach. Don't think he deserves it, but whatever. I mean, who else are you going to put there? What Corey Patterson? Maybe I think you just go with one of the coordinators and you don't have a defensive coordinator. So you got to go with Rod Smith. Even though, will he be on the sideline, I wonder? Because I think he's been in the box for most of the year. So he has a chance, just like Vic Koning, to be the only 1-0 coaches in Illinois history. I don't think that game's going to go too well because Penn State has figured things out on offense. They could hang 45 points on you. But regardless, it's going to be nice to watch a game and not feel like Lovey's future is tied up in it. That chapter is over. It has been a long chapter. Too long. Not enough triumphs. Far too many moments of just bad football, extended stretches of bad football, and that's over. So it's not about the person. It's not. I would just remind Illini fans, you don't need to try to twist yourselves into knots 
thinking of the positives of the Lovey Smith era. It was in many ways a failure, and we are going to be better for moving on now instead of waiting. Embrace it. Cautiously optimistic, right? Proceed with caution as we get a new hire and, and put all of our hopes on this new guy that maybe he will finally be our guy. But I know this. When we go to the stadium late next August or September, because guess what? We'll probably be able to. I'm, I'm optimistic about the fact that for outdoor events, we'll be able to. Imagine going to Illinois football games next year with a new head coach. And let's say this is a hire where he comes in for the press conference. And yeah, I think winning the press conference is important for college sports. I think you got to inspire some hope and optimism in your fan base. And that we actually can talk in Lot 31 about, hey, it's going to be kind of cool to see what this coach does this year. Because we aren't going to have crazy expectations. We'll know that this is probably, unfortunately, going to be kind of another rebuild. But that beats the hell out of running it back again. And the lethargic feeling that I and many Illini fans would have if we came into 2021, whether they do or do not play in Dublin, who knows if that's even going to happen. But wherever you're playing next year, you don't need to have that sinking feeling of, oh my God, we're watching this again. Mercifully, it is over. Lovey, wish you the best. Had high hopes. It didn't work out. But this was a firing. This was Josh Whitman firing the guy that he had pinned all of his hopes on. And his own job security. I mean, listen, Josh Whitman is going to be here for a while, I would assume. Well-liked by the admin, and why not? The fan base, I think, tends to like him as well. He's an Illini guy. It would take some massive screw-ups for him to probably lose his job. But this is a big chink in the armor. The way that Lovey failed here. That makes this next hire, as Lon so often said on 93.5, the next hire is the biggest. I think Lon was presuming that Lovey would get you to a certain point and that the next guy could take you further than that. But no, this next hire is all the more important because Lovey didn't really even get you to that point. This next guy is going to have to rise you from the ashes like the Phoenix. That's a little bit dramatic, but you know what? It can happen. It's happening for other programs. And by golly, we're due for one of these. We're due for a good coach. And I'm going to hang my hat on that and be excited for this hopefully short process of finding the next Illinois football head coach. All right. Wow, that was a little bit longer than I thought. What is that, 46 minutes? Thank you all so much for listening. For all these podcasts that have been coming up, breaking news essentially renders the previous podcast moot, right? You can never listen to the ones we did on Saturday. You don't really need to. The one that I did at the Illinois Northwestern game, that's irrelevant. You fired Lovey. The Illinois-Missouri game, unless you're a masochist, if, hey, if that's your thing, whatever. But why subject yourself to that? I hope that today this podcast doesn't sound too, you know, go after Lubby. I think it was important to close the book on that. There was something therapeutic about recognizing what something was before you move on to bigger and better things. And that's what you're about to do, right? Hopefully. <laughs> I've said many times as an Illini fan, well, it can't be as bad as the last guy, right? It can't be. And often it has been worse than the last guy. But it is important, I think, to close the book on that, call it what it was. And now we wait with bated breath to see who the next guy is. And I know I'll be on Twitter quite a bit the next few, uh, few days or however long it takes. I'll be waiting for a text from Jeremy or, or Trevor or Isaac or Harry whenever they get the first nugget of information 
So whatever you got to do, scouring the message boards, checking Twitter, refreshing it every five seconds, whatever you got to do, but it'll be short-lived and hopefully fun. And I cannot wait for the 200 level where we talk about the new head coach of this program and try to project out how this could work. And I'm hoping that whoever it is, they give us plenty of reasons to think that it can. All right, got to thank DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzone, $6 premium in construction zones at dpdoe.com, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's the best part. So it's starting to get cold out. Why even bother? Have you noticed, by the way, that I don't drive nearly as much because I work remotely. So when I do get in my car, I feel like I'm learning how to drive again for the first time, or I look forward to car trips. Well, regardless... You can stay at home if you want. They'll bring it to you. Piping hot calzones anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Coupon code Mike for $5 calzones from dpdo.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. No coupon code needed. State Farm prices, as you know, are ridiculously low, and the service is outstanding. Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Also, 4th and Kirby online at 4th and Just in time for Christmas, you might want to hurry just to make sure that the shipping comes in before the holiday. But use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at 4thandkirby.com. I'll switch up my rotation for Illini shirts on Tuesday with the start of Big Ten play. We will be back, by the way, for a postgame pod on Tuesday. So that second half will be about 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Hopefully that game doesn't go 2 hours and 20 minutes. The Illinois-Missouri game was NBA length. 53 fouls called. Hoping for... (laughs) A nice hour, 55-minute college basketball game, as it should be. Hey, I digress again. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com. Sorry, DP Doe and Fourth and Kirby with those little asides and those live reads. Got to thank you, the listener, for supporting us through all this craziness. What a crazy fall it's been. Hopefully, Illini basketball can stabilize and get off to a good start in the Big Ten, and you couple that with the new head coaching hire, and that will be a really fun December, despite what happened yesterday. That was a rough day. but. What is it? That quote from Dark Knight, the night is always darkest before the dawn. Isn't that right? So Saturday, December 12th was that bad. Sunday, December 13th may be the upswing. Good times are here again. All right, everybody. We will see you Tuesday evening unless they hire a coach Monday. And you know what? Knowing Josh Whitman, I wouldn't put it past him to get this done in the next day. So we'll be on call for that. We'll be back on Tuesday for a post-game pod. And yeah, we'll be busy. We'll be around. So in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level.